Coming up on today's award-winning show. The Browns are in first place for the first time since 2014. So we were 6-3 and three that year. Yeah, but we finished 7-9. and nine. That's right. I blame RG3. We play a game called Run Pass Option, and Hawk does his best Nick Chubb impersonation. He could go all the way! Hurdles, earrings, and Joe doesn't get his money's worth. You hate to see it. All this and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of The Tomahawk Show. Here we go, Brownies! Here we go! Woo, woo! Here we go, Brownies! Here we go! Woo, woo! Joe Hawk, you're so Baltimore! Holy crap, I am so pumped after this win. Oh my gosh, I could fight a bear. I run a marathon. We, we should you know we should open up a bar, only sell seventy three coals, bring it with stadium mustard, and fill it with Sugardale hot dogs. Let's go, Brandles! We're going to the Super Bowl. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, ladies and gentlemen. The only place where you get hot football takes from two of the sexiest co-hosts in all of podcast history here on the Uninterrupted Podcast Network. Uh, if you've been living under a rock. I got to get a better line because I always use that one. But my name is Andrew Hawkins. I am a former NFL wide receiver. Here's a weird stat of the day for me. Um, I played against the Ravens 11 times, and I had roughly 25% of my career production against the Baltimore Ravens. I am joined by Joe Thomas, the first left tackle in NFL history and the best left tackle in NFL history. Here's a weird stat for Joe. You may have heard it. He played 10,000 consecutive snaps. I looked that one up. That's a true stat. Can you believe it? Joe, how are you today, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, Hawking. <laughs> it's not because the Browns won this oh, weekend, gosh, which did they know? did. Yeah, that's I, great. I know, you, you're not good at teasing, Joe. You just like I, to go I, right for it. I can see why you have so many kids. It's like, give it time, okay? <laughs> let's, they, let's, let's make the it Brownies, last. The, the, the offense, they look like an NFL offense. Baker Mayfield throwing the football like he was <laughs> – 22 years all over again. It was amazing. It was a flashback to his youthful performances from last year. But no, the reason I'm good is because I made enchiladas for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. And I made a lamb enchilada because I had some lamb. Because you're really rich and rich people eat lamb. uh, That's what rich people do. They make lamb enchiladas. Right. And it was I made a spam enchilada yesterday. But go ahead. I love Mexican food and... I know for the most part, it's just like fresh ingredients kind of simply prepared. Um, but for some reason, I didn't think I'd be good at making enchiladas, and I made them, and they were absolutely amazing. So that made my day good. So when you're a fat guy, the food that you eat throughout the day has a 80% impact on the happiness that that day provides you. Oh, wow. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm okay, Joe. Can I tell you uh, another weird stat about me? In the sure. last decade of my life, right, and I only say decade just – for it could it honestly could be twenty. So years. you're dying when you're forty. No, 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 not not going this, forward. This I mean, the previous last decade, decade of your life <laughs> in this last decade, <laughs> and, and in my entire life, I have only cooked one meal that wasn't processed, microwavable, or already cooked <laughs> in my life. And what was that? It was a fillet that my nanny at the time. Taylor, shout out to Taylor. Mm-hmm. She, her mom bought me for Christmas, and or I forget actually what holiday it was, but gave me instructions on how to cook it. So I cooked it. It was, it turned out delicious, but that's literally the only like meal I've ever cooked. So what thoughts, thoughts on me, Joe? Like, 
Yeah, thank you. What temperature oh, do you like your filet? Um, if you had to guess, this is a good game, right? Let's, 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 <laughs> you know where let's, I'm going let's, on let's, this one. <laughs> let's play a game of unconscious bias. What do yes. you? How do you think I like my fillet cooked, Joe? When I'm at a you restaurant, absolutely. If if that thing is not <laughs> darker than dirt, you are sending that thing back. You are damn skippy. I don't eat live animals like you do, Joe. That's if not it's my less thing, than man. 165 degrees, you ain't touching that baby. I You're going to say this looks raw. Medium well. I don't like to eat blood, okay? Thank you. Send it back. <laughs> just, just like my wife. I did a pork for my wife, and I cooked it to 150, which is like medium, medium well. And she took one bite, and she's like, I can't eat this. This is raw. And yeah. I'm like, I thought it was going to be overcooked. Wow. I'm glad you said you'd think it's raw because I was worried it was overdone. <laughs> People but don't like when like the animal moves divide. around in its mouth. Okay? I like yeah. my animals dead. If I'm going to eat them, yeah. I like for them not to be still using their internal With any organs. moisture. Yeah, yeah I'd appreciate that. So there's this big racial divide that I did not know about until Between I you and your wife? Football. That's weird. My wife is an honorary member of the black community. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. She's a lifelong basketball player. Most of her fl- friends were African-Americans <laughs> in college. And uh, so she's an honorary member, no doubt. But I never knew this until playing in college and playing in the NFL. When you go to like the, the chef in, in the meal line, in the meal hall, uh-huh. and they've got like made-to-order steaks or whatever. And I would say... 99% of the black guys in the team wanted their <laughs> steaks medium well. Absolutely. I would say just the same number of white guys wanted it medium rare. Alive. And there's yeah. there's like not much in between. And I, I was never able to get like a real solid answer as to why there is that <laughs> racial divide. But it's clearly out there. So if anybody knows, no, it would be great if they could hit us up on the Tomahawk yes. hotline. Yes. Uh, which I don't have off the top of my head. I right got you. Four four zero six two eight one three seven six. Leave us a message. Nice Tell us why. I, I can give you the answer for why it is for me. Um, but I don't want to ruin it for the for the voicemail. So nah. as you heard at the beginning, we, we love our voicemails. Voice. We keep them on the show. Send us send us your, your your reasoning why you like your steak the way that you do. We'll leave it at that. All right. And that 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 show has been brought to you by Unconscious Bias. Uh, presented by Tomahawk. <laughs> All right, let's get into the show, man. I think it's time to kick things off with our favorite segment, Dog Check. Dog Check! Hey, hey I, I like that, man. We, we this don't, is real. We typically don't get it live. Shout out to DJ Chris on the ones and twos. DJ Chris! What do you guys think of the name Krispy Kreme for Chris? Krispy Kreme? I will try it on. We can try it. I mean, if he keeps dropping uh, t- tunes like that, he's earned it. All right, so let's Cleveland Browns, they're in first place. No big deal. You know, I mean, just, just the way we, we thought about it, Joe. G- give me your, your biggest takeaway, just one right now from the game. One big takeaway. Biggest takeaway, this was the Browns offense that we expected to see in 2019. It was a little bit of what we saw in 2018. A lot of bit but- of what we've seen in 2018. But I'll say it was a little different because in 2018, we played so much more with big personnel because we didn't have OBJ out there. But we're a team that's going to play with three receivers in the game. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of talented receivers. We're not going to leave it on the bench. That's stupid. So we're going to play one tight end, one running back, and three receivers. And I think it took a little while for Freddie and Baker and OBJ to kind of figure out how we were going to fit his offense 
into the mold of the 11 personnel or the 10 personnel or the 12 personnel um, because we needed to get those weapons on the field. And this was the first game that I really saw Baker feeling comfortable with the plays that Freddie was calling. Mm. They were running the ball really efficiently. Mm. Baker was throwing the ball really well. He was getting a lot of good completions. They were focusing a lot on those RPOs. They were completing passes. When, when you have the talent that our Cleveland Browns have at receiver, mm-hmm. get them the football, even if it's five yards down the field, and then let them go and run with it. Let yep. them go play backyard football. Once the ball's in their hands, they're going to make stuff happen. We saw it with that big throw and catch that Jarvis had where he caught the ball and he kind of weaved through, and then all of a sudden he was gone for like 60 yards. So, Jarvis went off today. Uh, Jarvis had a great game. Really a great first half and didn't see much from him in the second half, but well, we didn't need him. Well, he got a concussion, so, so there was that. Actually, I don't know yeah, if it was a concussion, so, but he got hurt. But He I, got I, hurt. He had to leave the game. I mean, the Browns won 40-25, to and they really controlled it. And, I, I you know, I that's it, it became an epiphany to me while watching that game that a, two, a big thing that they're missing as, as an offense is uh, Bashad Perriman who was like a deep ball threat. Like Odell is definitely a deep ball threat, but he's not just a like blow the top off the defense guy like Perriman was for them last year. And you're right. Like the offense they had looked a lot like last year. Jarvis Landry is like an extension of the run game because you just throw it to him short and he's so good at yards after catch. He's so tough. You know what I mean? He goes and gets those grit yards. And if you look, Baker had a bunch of yards, but he didn't really have to do that much, right? Like he's getting the ball out of his hands, quick passes, and letting the receivers do the rest, letting the tight ends do the rest. Nick Chubb got back to form, and and he was balling because they were giving him the ball. Like if you, he's just like Novocaine. If you give him time, he always works. And yeah, <laughs> that uh, that that you that wrote was that one in your show today, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that one's a shout out to uh, <laughs> Coach Boone. Remember the Titans. Um, but yeah, no, it looked good, man. And re- Baker typically responds when the national media and all of us are like, "Yo, it's time to play ball." You know that like he has to force himself into that underdog mentality, right? Because that's where he feels comfortable. And as soon as he feels like everyone's against him, boom, that's when he's Baker Mayfield. You know, so he keeps. He does these things, I feel like, to put himself in those, that situation. But, hell, if you're a Browns fan, how, how could you care? You're number one in the division for the first time since 2014. So all is well. Shout out to us, shout man. Out, shout Gosh. out to us. That was how did that team. season end? Uh, who knows? Who could remember? You know? I just, I just took a uh, uh, Men in Black flash pen. <laughs> at, at that point of the season when we were in first place, and I don't remember the rest of it. Yeah, I feel you in that. All right, so the defense. Let's talk about the Browns defense real quick because they've been balling. Why do you think that is? Who do you, what do you contribute to defense balling? So, but they've had injuries too, so that's like an important thing to note. There's a lot of reasons why the Browns have a great defense right now, but it starts with their defensive line. Those guys are studs. Olivier Vernon is playing great football. Uh, obviously, we know Miles Garrett is playing all pro, if not defensive player of the year level type football. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to give a lot of credit to Steve Wilkes. He's getting that team ready. He's put together a really good plan week in and week out. And I think John Dorsey gets a healthy amount of credit too because they have been missing three out of their four starting defensive backs for the last two weeks of the season. Last, uh, two weeks ago, they were missing their entire starting secondary. Mm-hmm. And then this week, they've got uh, Demarius Randall back, but they were still missing three out of the four starters. Yep. And they were still able to play really, really good in the back end. They, were shut, they shut down Lamar Jackson. And that's a credit to John Dorsey because I think strategy-wise, John Dorsey. you have good – this is why – 
good veteran backups with a lot of experience, like mm-hmm. the Browns do right now, they're able to step in and play very specific game plan roles like you would have against a Lamar Jackson and play very, very good football. Like if you line those guys up against the best receivers in the NFL and told them to play man coverage, they're not going to be able to hold up. But they're smart, they're savvy, they've got the experience. So that, And when you have an experienced coordinator like Steve Wilkes, he's able to understand, all right, what do these guys do well? And I'm going to craft a game plan that fits their skill set. And he's done that two weeks in a row because they played really well last week yeah. with all four of their starters out against the Rams. And then they played against uh, this week against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Really good, just the same. But that's what I'm saying. Like I, I can't just be like, yeah, they just got veteran backups. A lot of teams have veteran backups. They've shut down two of the best offenses and maybe not shut down but they've limited and and played better against two of the best offenses in the NFL that that any defense has all year and probably will for the remainder of the season so yeah I mean I got to give hats off to to all those guys who have stepped up and as well as Steve Wilkes Steve Wilkes might be he might be up for a head coach job next year Let's hope not. That's that's the problem is when you have really good coordinators, they yeah. always leave because they go become head coaches. Uh, and he got totally screwed in Arizona. He had no that's chance bullshit. one year. Are you kidding me? That's that's what this is showing me, that that's BS. And again, the Cardinals are still <laughs> 0-4, so clearly it was the head but, coach's problem. But to me, that's the key. It's veteran, experienced, smart defensive coordinator with – those veteran guys that are mm-hmm. in there that can come up with a great game plan and execute it. And then, of course, having the great talent up front on the defensive line and the linebackers doing a good job playing off of those guys. So it's that combination that's unique to the Browns that yeah. all NFL teams don't have. All right, Baker had two beefs this week uh, before we get back to the game. <laughs> I'm beefing, glad you are about to bring that up. Yeah, he was, he was beefing with Rex Ryan and beefing with Antonio Brown. Rex Ryan started that one. You can argue that Baker kind of started the AB one. But what do you? does that concern you at all? When Baker texts you this week, what are you are you gonna be like, yo, Baker, man, yeah. let them guys go, dude. Let's just let's just get this AFC North crown. Or are you gonna so be like, yo, funny. keep it up, bro? Right right when you were just talking about that before and how Baker thrives when his back's against the wall, when he feels like he's playing that underdog role again. Uh-huh. And I'm not exactly sure yet if he does this on purpose. He does, I haven't he decided has to. yet. He has to. But I'm leaning towards that he does this on purpose because <laughs> when the Rex Ryan stuff came out this week, and uh, for those that didn't hear, Rex Ryan basically called Baker overrated as hell. Uh-huh. And, of course, for every Baylor, actually, media – That's exactly what it yeah, is. not basically. Every media person in the NFL is going to tell the player, don't respond, right? Uh-huh. Because – if you respond, first of all, you elevate those comments. Yep. And if you don't say anything, they kind of just get forgotten in the news cycle by the next day. But if you respond, you elevate it, and you also elevate the person that was making those comments. And just like with the Colin Cowherd stuff, is when you beef with a media member, it makes that media member all of a sudden more important, more yep. popular, more watched, they get more valuable yeah. to his company. Like that's what us schlubs in the media want. Yeah. We want big star players to start firing back at us because right. all of a sudden now we're relevant again. Yep. Us in the media, we are completely irrelevant. Which reminds Let, me, screw you, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You ain't nothing, bruh. Tom Brady, I hate you. You yeah. suck. You've never been any good. You're as hell. Yeah, okay. So when anyway, you take the ahead. bait on that as a player, all you're doing is you're falling right into the trap. And that's exactly what happens with Colin Cowherd and with Rex Ryan. And and so when he fired back at Rex with a very creative comment, might I add, he fired back he, and said, That's what I'm saying. Freddie Kitchens, 
So he, this was clearly premeditated. <laughs> so he said, Freddie Kitchen says that the only people that matter wear orange and brown. And if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. And there's a reason that Rex Ryan doesn't have any colors right oh, now. Oh, good. Which is a great comeback, right? It is. Rex Ryan got fired. And he's he, a great he writer. Hired. He's, got a, he's got a great joke writer. Um, to which, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, let me but hear. Rex Ryan being the great all-time comeback guy. What did he wear on the set today on ESPN? Did you see? <laughs> no, I didn't. What did he wear? He wore a brown blazer and an orange tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, Which is so Rex. Because I, I played against Rex Ryan a bunch when he was in Baltimore and then when he was in New York with the Jets and with Buffalo. I played against him forever. And so, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Mike Patton was his top lieutenant and we both played for Mike Patton. So I've, I've known Rex ish in the NFL circles. I played for his brother, Rob. And uh-huh. Rex is the type of guy as a head coach would love Baker. He loves that back and forth. He loves that trash talk. Out of any coach in the last 20 years in the NFL that loves trash talking, he's your number one guy, right? So (laughs) the fact that him and Baker were beefing just is perfect because they're like the same person. (laughs) They really are. Rex Ryan used to talk crap to me on the sideline if I caught a pass. Dude, he talks to everybody. He's like, you you, you midget. You think that's impressive? (laughs) That's not impressive. Get back to the huddle. You peewee football player. Like, that's the kind of stuff he would say to you on the sideline. I'm not even exaggerating. Rex Ryan famously was quoted as saying, I've walked over tougher guys going to a fight. (laughs) And it was the best. He totally shut him down and totally crushed his his life. So I hope this Baker and Rex Ryan beef continues on for two reasons. One, clearly it's made Baker Mayfield play like his hair's on fire because he was lights out this weekend, which was awesome to see. So he was clearly motivated. He loved playing that underdog role where nobody gave him a chance and everyone was talking trash about him. Uh, And two, I can't wait to hear the creative stuff that these guys come up with because they've got some really talented joke writers (laughs) behind the scenes. And I really would love to just grab some popcorn and listen to this go on the whole season. They have better writers than us, man. John, you're fired, bro. We gotta we gotta figure out who writes for Baker Mayfield and Rex Ryan. That's <laughs> that's that's the real win in this podcasting. All right, so we're gonna let Rex Ryan and Baker continue their beef because it's entertaining to us. Um, Odell Beckham had a had a, a quiet day. Jarvis Landry obviously went off, and this is a question that everybody had coming in, right? When Odell's going off, and we're not hearing much from Jarvis anymore. How how is he going to respond when Jarvis is going off and Odell, you know, he he has a quiet day even though they get a W. How is he going to respond over time? Is that going to be enough? Is there too many cooks in the kitchen? Like, what do you think Odell is feeling right now, Joe? Right now, Odell is feeling like, okay, I'm a C. So he's feeling nothing. Like if you had the emoji, it would be the yellow emoji with the straight line mouth. He's not sad right now. He's not happy, and I'll tell you why. Because they won, and they got everybody off their back this week because everybody was talking about this offense, and everybody was talking about Baker, and Mm -hmm. the conversation inevitably turned to, well, they added Odell Beckham. He's kind of like the different piece out there, and uh, even though sometimes when you add a superstar like that, you don't know how to use him, and he doesn't have synergy, and he doesn't know how to fit in the offense, and yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. So I think he's happy that those questions are kind of – a little bit tampered down. Mm-hmm. Now, they're going to be there because he only had two catches for a minimal amount of effect in that game. But for the most part, he was on the field. He had an impact. Uh, the He was drawing coverage. He was out there firing up his team with his play and his fieriness. He was getting fights. And so I think his feistiness. He got in fights, didn't uh, he? he didn't got fight in fight. Humphreys. He did. Mm-hmm. He, he did. And he lost an earring. 
And, and so I think part of the reason he's a little sad is that he is not exactly celebrating as much because he didn't have the stats uh, and he lost an earring. Yeah. Another piece but, of jewelry that we're talking about after an Odell Beckham game. It's all lost, right. lost earring. It's all right. He's, he has a lot of money. He can get a new earring. If he's like me, so, and he, if, he, if, he, if he's smart like me, he's wearing cubic zirconias. So I, use, I lose earrings all the time. I go to Claire's, I get a new pair. You know, <laughs> when people think they're real, you just wear the fake ones. Do you think Odell would admit that he's wearing CZs? Um, it's a good question. You're comfortable enough to admit it. Do you think Odell would admit it? <sighs> no, he wouldn't admit it. But then again, he's right. probably not wearing CZs. He's, he's probably, so much richer than you, though, that he just doesn't care if he loses a diamond earring. Yeah, because it, it would never, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a headline if he lost an earring, right? Like if you lose a CZ, you don't tell somebody you lost a cubic zirconia. Because then it wouldn't be a headline. Yeah, like, because then you don't care. Like, oh, okay, glad I wore fake earrings because I lost it. No, you tell people like, damn, I lost an earring. Like, when you're actually upset that you lost an earring, and it's probably real. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the situation with Odell Beckham's earring. Odell Beckham spirits, thanks to Joe Thomas. Um, random, because it's a podcast and I can go wherever I want with it. Uh, I used the catchphrase to get your money's worth today on NFL Network before nice. Joe did. Did you? Yeah, I'm going nice. to I'm gonna get the video. I'm going to bring it out. And wow. I, I want to do this. We're going to... Listeners, if you've made it this far in the episode, which clearly you have, if you've listened to the best podcast ever, you don't walk out on the best podcast. So mm. now that you're listening, you have to make sure you submit catchphrases for us to use on TV, Joe and I. Oh, and we will keep a tally genius. who actually does it. Right now, I'm 1-0. I'm going to get video evidence to prove that I used it today on the NFL Network Game Day Live. I said, you got to get your money's worth R- randomly. At a, at a bit, and they kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? But I knew it would be funny <laughs> for the Tomahawk show. So I'm a team player. Joe, you're down 1-0. Uh, uh, factually incorrect. Uh-oh. Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans. In Jacksonville, I'm standing in front of the pool in the upper deck in the sweet cabana area. I'm standing next to Maurice Jones-Drew and Andrew Siciliano. Uh-huh. And remember so, what the, the catchword that week was? It was... Get your money's worth. You We've only no, had one catchphrase. You can't, you can't have it. Or you, you got... What was it? You got to have it? Or you... You, got you hate to see it. No, it was you hate no, to see it. No, we never had you hate to see it as a catchphrase. Yes, we did. And I said it twice. I looked right into the camera and I said <laughs> it twice on that show. And Tom O'Flock will back me up on this one. Yeah, somebody. So it's one to one. If anybody out there remembers us saying you hate to see it as a catchphrase on the Tomahawk show, I hate to see it. Please speak up. Let's go to the let's go to the judges here in the studio. John, do you remember us saying you hate to see it as a catchphrase? No. Yeah, you hate you hate to see it that Joe is wrong. All right. Well, Joe hates to see it. Joe, yeah, <laughs> Joe hates to hear it. <laughs> he, he hates to not memorize. It was get your money's worth, Joe. Right. It was get that's the only one we've had, and he hasn't paid up on it, so he hasn't gotten his money's worth. We gotta have a new one. All right. Life can be unpredictable, but you don't want that to affect your bank account. Whether you want to lower your monthly expenses or pay off debt sooner, Earnest Student Loan Refinancing has a solution for you. If you're still paying the same rate you were when you graduated, odds are you could reduce your monthly payment and save big. Even if you've refinanced before with today's low interest rate environment, most people can save by refinancing again. Earnest is the easiest way to refinance your student loans, saving you time and money. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online, it only takes two minutes, and you'll get a personalized rate estimate, all without affecting your credit score. If you qualify, Earnest offers customizable loan terms and no fees. 
You can even combine private and federal loans. Imagine having one single monthly payment with one low rate. Already refinanced the loan? No problem! You can still be eligible to lower your interest rate again. Plus, the internet loves Ernest's customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So you'll always get the support you need. Start saving today. Our listeners get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash tomahawk. That's a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash tomahawk. Go to earnest.com slash tomahawk today. Terms and conditions apply. Well, now it's time to move on to our next segment, our favorite segment of all time, Am I Tripping? Tripping, 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 That was just a random tune. Are you producing these, Chris? I love that. Golly. Oh, I'm going to listen to that tonight. Right. Relax a little bit. Pull the covers over my head. Turn that thing up to like a 10. There you go. Go to And just watch the Browns. That's how Joe gets in the mood. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Number one, am I tripping? Am I tripping or should the Bucks be favorites to win the NFC South? You are still tripping. Why? Because the Saints should be favorites to win the NFC South. I got the Bucks either second or third. I, I still can't believe in Jameis Winston. I mean, he throws an interception in a point of the game right there in the fourth quarter when he should not have been throwing anything even remotely risky. And he gives the Rams an opportunity to come down and tie right. the game. Okay. Of course, uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't block. Or excuse me, the, the Rams can't block. And Jared Goff gets sacked, fumbled, and Dominican Sue picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown. And saves Jameis Winston. But until you get more consistent play at your quarterback, I don't think you can win that division. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's playing well as of last week and as of last night. And so I think they're still the favorite, especially because I think Drew Brees is going to come back in like three or four weeks. Uh-huh. And they'll still win that division. But uh, Atlanta looks just piss poor. I mean, their defense, they, which is supposed suck. to be awesome, sucks. Dan Quinn got the job for his defense, and his defense has never been good. And when Kyle Shanahan was there, their offense was good. And everyone talked about how great their offense was, best offense in the NFL. He leaves, and now their offense has been doo-doo for, what is this, the third year now? Yeah. They got a lot of problems. I mean, Carolina, eh. Dan Quinn won't make it out of the season, I don't think. Their defense looked terrible. Like, Mariota was throwing it all over the field. Now, th- this is an offense that typically re- re- relies on Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker, right? Like a tight end and a running back. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown literally went off on the Atlanta secondary. And it wasn't just a bunch of big plays. They were like medium-level passes that they would break four tackles in the, in the secondary and go into touchdowns. It was like one of those performances that, that you watch when coaches actually do get fired. Because it's like, okay, you're a defensive head coach and your defense not only is not good, but they're not even playing hard, right? Like, and that's what you always hate to see is that, to, to use Joe's catchphrase that everyone in the Tomahawk suggested to use, you hate to see guys that, are, that aren't giving the effort defensively. And that's what it looked like with that, the Falcons today. That is the first thing that gets you as a coach fired. If you have bad strategy, okay. If your players aren't playing well, as soon as those players are not playing hard, the media jumps all over that, and the ownership thinks that the coach has lost the team, and that's when you get fired. So don't be surprised if something happens in Atlanta in the next few weeks, especially if they're not playing harder as of next weekend. Mm. All right, what we got next, John? 
Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson was carted off the field after an attempted hurdle caused him to land awkwardly on his head. You hate to see it, Joe. Am I tripping, or should guys stop trying to hurdle defenders? I've been saying this all year long. The NFL is going to is going to outlaw hurdling. They're going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's way more risk than reward. Like Eric Weddle got hurt on the same kind of play. Guys are breaking arms, shoulders, concussions. Yeah, it looks sweet when you when it works, but then you have plays like Vernon Davis when he tries to hurdle and the guy backpedals, and you look like you're galloping in the middle of a football field. Like. Not only does it risk getting hurt, but it risks you looking stupid, right? And that's not fun for anybody, Joe. That's a short man take. Okay. What do you expect when you're All a right. six foot six, okay. two hundred and sixty pound tight end, <laughs> and you've got a five foot nine, hundred and ninety five pound DB that's much more athletic than you, yeah. much quicker, much faster, much more able to go low, and they're going and diving full speed, twenty miles an hour at your knees. You think you should just let them take your knees out? I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, I mean, if, if guys are allowed to dive at your knees, you're going to have to be able to jump up in the air to try to not allow them to take your knees out at the at the uh, kneecaps. Then what do you when you land on your face? And I mean, I don't think that's a good option either. So what do you say? Just no low tackles. You got to yeah. tackle everybody around the waist. You better lube the knees up or something. Put some Vaseline on them. Try to get guys sliding <laughs> off. Stop jumping. <laughs> No, I, I mean, it is a short guy take. I've never, it has never crossed my mind to ever hurdle anybody. Just because there's nobody <laughs> outside of your son Austin that you'd be able to <laughs> successfully hurdle when they're diving at your legs. Palomalu actually was a, a shoestring tackler, even against like little guys, and I'd never had an answer for it. Like he's, <laughs> he would take me, take me out low every time, and it would work literally 100 percent of the time because. I just never had to prepare for somebody tackling me low. Everyone always sees me and says, like, yo, this is big hit time. It's time to make Sports Center." <laughs> all right, what we got next, John? Larry Fitzgerald passes Tony Gonzalez for second in all-time receptions behind only Jerry Rice. Ahead of Randy Moss, ahead of Terrell Owens. You guys see where I'm going with this. Am I tripping, or is Larry Fitzgerald the second-best wide receiver of all time? Hawk, I'm looking to you. No. He's good. Third, third is good, and third is the best you can get because Jerry was the best. Randy is second, and mm-hmm. Larry oh. is third. Here's my pushback. All right. I don't think Randy Moss can be in the top five all-time of receivers because he had one route tree, and that was go deep. That is false. He could not run anything underneath. He had no intermediate routes. All he could do is run by you. That is a false take. Now, it take was and really false. effective. <laughs> That's false, bro. Shout but, to Luke. <laughs> I think that Larry Fitzgerald is a better receiver because he was able to run so many more routes and you could put him in so many more offenses and he fit better in more different schemes than Randy. Okay, so if you're starting a team right now and you have Larry Fitzgerald in their prime, Randy Moss in their prime, your quarterback is Baker Mayfield, your left tackle is Joe Thomas, your slot is on lock with Andrew Hawkins, that's a done Ooh. deal. And you had the first overall pick, and there's only two players available. It's Larry Fitzgerald and Randy Moss. Who are you picking? I'd pick Larry. Okay, you're a lineman, so that makes sense. Okay. All right, yeah, that's good. No, Larry's a beast. And I don't even like – like, I hate when, when we debate, like, who's better, Larry Fitzgerald or Randy Moss. Like, clearly they're both incredible. And you – yes, Baker – if you had Larry, you'd be incredible. If you had Randy, the outcome would still be incredible, right? But – the name of the game is speed, and Randy had more than anybody else. He was a freak of nature. That is, he had stuff you can't work for, 
Like, and Larry does too, but I don't know. I'm a speed guy. So there you go. Today's episode of the Tomahawk Show is presented by mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win. MyBookie.ag has the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. If you're the type of better that likes to put down a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. Use promo code DOUBLECOVER to activate the offer. That's promo code DOUBLECOVER. Visit mybookie.ag today. That's mybookie.ag. mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, what are we going to next? It's time for a new game called Run Pass Option. Okay. Ooh. And by new game, you mean like the rest of the episode? <laughs> yes. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> run it or pass it. Run it. Run, run, run pass option. Jeez. DJ Chris. He's amazing. He's putting it's it like he went time. to school for 25 years to do this. To yeah, just man. work for the Tomahawk show. All right. So the way the game oh, works is blessed. you either get to <laughs> you either get to run with the topic or pass on the topic. Each guy gets three runs right otherwise you get to pass so i'll tee up a topic okay. let me know if you guys want to run it or pass it okay. and then i'll read the headline so we only get three runs you get three runs so if i run my first three you're done then i'm done okay and, you can, and if joe makes a point you can't respond all right Damn. first oh, one boy. frank gore the ageless wonder run it or pass it pass it i say pass it what joe? do you got joe i guess i don't understand how this game is <laughs> 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 oh man! You, you didn't graduate college. You have to explain <laughs> I, it better. I did not graduate. He left college, early to go to the league. Nor do I have a Columbia graduate <laughs> school degree like my co-host. I'm just a humble lineman. If you want to talk about, if you want to talk about the topic, you say run it. If you don't, you say pass it. So, do you want to talk about Frank Gore hitting 15k? I passed. Uh, I'll pass. More Minshew magic. Run it or pass it. I want to run it. I could I shouldn't go first every time because then Joe is just going to base his answer off of me. Gardner Minshew leads the Jaguars to a comeback win versus the Broncos. Hawk, run it. Yeah, no, he's he's legit. I didn't fully believe in Gardner Minshew. I I thought it was a cute story. I thought the mustache was was adorable. Right. Uh, I didn't really <laughs> think he was a, a good quarterback. He did some things in Sunday's matchups that like I was like, yo, man, that's. Those are special plays. Buying time in the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, like using his legs and, and and taking what he's given, right? Like there's system quarterbacks, and then there's guys that just have an it factor and, and, and understand how to make plays. He showed he's able to do that today. So he's climbed uh, the leaderboard in my mind. He's elevated himself to, at the very least, a 12-year backup, right? We're only four games oh. in. So at the, at, I'm saying his floor is yeah. – He's a guy as a backup quarterback that you people will always sign for the next decade plus to be like, yo, if a pinch happens and our starter, our first rounder goes down, he's a guy that can come in and win. If he continues on, he can push himself even higher. But he's he's the real deal. He's not a fifth rounder or third rounder who just comes in the league, plays a couple games, and then fizzles out. He showed me that today. Joe, you want to run it or pass it? 
Uh, I'll run that. I, I like what Hawk said there. I'm going to add um, one of the things you don't usually see from rookies is as the play clock goes on to be able to keep your eyes on your receivers on the secondary, but have that second nature of being able to understand where the pass rush is and where you can hang in the pocket with a calm mind and calm feet and not try to just run out of the pocket or run yourself into trouble. Mm -hmm. And he did that a few times, especially towards the end of the game. And that was really impressive to me because that's the stuff you see Drew Brees and Tom Brady doing guys that have so many years in the NFL and just have that innate ability to understand where that rush is while keeping their eyes down the field and that was really impressive to me. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is, I don't know if you saw Uncle Rico got together with Gardner yeah. Minshew. Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. And yep. They got a picture together. And Uncle Rico got a little older than we remember. Dude, he but had some wrinkles. In, he looked like an uncle. In spite of the wrinkles, <laughs> him and Gardner look like they could easily be in the same family. I mean... I you know what's that crazier. was really cool that they did that, and they look so damn similar. It's awesome. You know what's even crazier than that, Joe, since we both decided to, to run on this one, is that Nick Foles, who everyone has joked his entire career look like, looks like Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> him and Gardner Minshew could, could win Halloween as Uncle oh. Rico and Napoleon Dynamite. That would break That's the internet. That's a great one. That would break the internet. And speaking of Halloween, my wife and I have been talking like, what are we going to dress up for as Hall- for Halloween this year? You guys don't have and your party anymore. Who who are you? I know. What do you do for Halloween now that you have thirteen kids well, and we no teammates to not, invite to your party? So we did nothing last year, and this year Halloween is I think on a Thursday. So mm-hmm. I'm actually doing a Thursday night game, but we're going to go to a friend's Halloween party I think the weekend before, and so we got to have a costume. So this ah. will be our first Halloween party in a couple of years. So we want to make sure we have good costumes because we always enjoy dressing up. Yep. So. Call the Tomahawk line, send us a message, let me know what my wife and I should dress up as. And my first suggestion, Hawk, when she brought this up to me is, do you remember that big guy on Night Court? Remember that that, yes. that TV show, Night Court, the big bald cop guy? Absolutely. That's what I told her we should dress up as. Didn't I say that, that last episode idea. you look like him? Did you? Maybe you weren't on yet. I said Joe can, looks like the dude from Night Court. Remember the show Night can, Court? Can we confirm or deny, John? Oh, yes. I think this was before you got on, Joe. I remember. Yeah, this. I we said this about you before you got on the show. <laughs> <laughs> With your new haircut. That was, what, that was what caused So I told her that's what we should do. She thought it was a horrible idea. So I'm reaching out to Tomaflock. Please tell us what I should be for Halloween. Uh, but also, you're right. That would be awesome. They it, would win Halloween. It, it would also be awesome if, if listeners dressed up like a Tomaflock. Or it's like the Tomahawk show. Actually, no, because oh. that can get racist. No blackface for all the listeners out there. Yeah. If you're black, you can dress up as yeah. Hawk. If you're white, you, have you a can dress friend. up as me. But there will be no no mixing of races. There will be no the black show. or white face Following. from our listeners, okay? <laughs> we will that will not be tolerated in the Tomahawk. All right, all right, what do we got next? Question. Danny Dimes does it again. Joe, run it or pass it. I'm gonna run. Uh Daniel Jones, he wins the game against the Redskins and Dwayne Haskins. They won by a lot. I'm not going to say I was overly impressed with Danny Dimes in this game. He did get the win, yes. The Redskins' defense is terrible. Wow. Uh, Case Keenum got benched in the second quarter. I'm going to need to see Danny Dimes win a game against a NFL-quality defense and an NFL-quality team before I'm ready to say that this guy has got what it takes to be a championship-level quarterback in the NFL. Pass. Hawk passes. Joe, you only have one run left, by the way. And we have like 
10 more topics. So we'll, this will be interesting Does to this hear look the Hawk like monologue my face. down the stretch. <laughs> this is already my new favorite game ever. Patriots best Bills. Hawk, run or pass? <sighs> pass. I'm going to skip this one. We're going to we're going to do that one as a freebie later. Mahomes Motor City Mojo. Joe, run or pass? I'm going to run. Joe's final run it. Joe is that a right? Chiefs defeat Lions in a thriller 38 I'm sorry, 34 to 30 to remain unbeaten. Joe, run it. So I'm even more impressed with the Chiefs right now than I was when I woke up this morning and ate my eggs and bacon for breakfast because when you have an amazing team and you do one thing really, really, really well, which is what the Kansas City Chiefs have done up to this point, right? They have been Patrick Mahomes, throw the ball all over the field and make defenses defend every blade of grass. Andy Reid, the most creative play caller, play designer that we can remember, designing for a quarterback that has an unlimited amount of talent with an unlimited amount of talent at receiver. They're fun. They score a ton of points. But those are the teams that never win championships because they don't know how to win if, hang on, they don't know how to win if Patrick Mahomes ever has an off day, right? They don't know how to win if somebody, for some reason, figures them out or there's some matchup issue that day and they have to win in different ways. But today they showed me that they're a complete team. They went into Detroit and in in a, a game that Patrick Mahomes did not play his best I don't even think he threw a touchdown pass in that game. They were able to find a win against a, a yet defeated team from Detroit. And so that's what impressed me. They they were able to find a way to win besides just Patrick Mahomes throwing for seven touchdowns. And I think that this possibly could be the year that Andy Reid finally wins the Super Bowl. Mm. Hawk, run it. Pass, pass it. So Joe's out of runs. So we're going to hit Hawk with a run of runs. Or passes. I got two left, right? You got two left. All right. Villainous Vontez Perfect. Run it or pass it? Ah, pass. Kyle Allen, QB controversy? Run it or pass it? Ah, pass. <laughs> Some men just want to watch the world burn. So much passion. Bears, Berry, Vikes. Run or pass? Pass. <laughs> Flackhawk down. Run or pass? Pass. We're out of topics, man. <laughs> okay. Hawks Not still- a lot of stuff I feel like talking <laughs> about. Bonus runner pass here. Okay. 2014 vibes in Cleveland. Now you guys both I- get a free run. Go All for right. it. I'm going the for Bra- a run here. The Browns are in first place in the AFC North for the first time since week 10, 2014. Guys, take us back to week 10 of 2014. What do you guys remember? Let me set a mood for you. Mm. I'm a free agent in 2013, right? The I'm getting down. phone calls. Some of the top teams in the NFL, the Patriots are calling me. Mm. I have... The, the Oakland Raiders, they weren't a top team, but I didn't have a big market. The Cleveland Browns <laughs> called me. They said, hey, man, we want to turn things around in Cleveland. I say, sign me up. Restricted free agent, I sign. We get here, we got Kyle Shanahan, an up-and-coming young offensive coordinator in mind that says, hey, man, we know how to use the slot receiver, and we're going to figure this out. Do you want to be the? Do you want to be a part of the turnaround in Cleveland? I say, absolutely, I want to be a part of the turnaround in Cleveland. We get to Cleveland. Josh Gordon, one of the most talented receivers ever, has suspended the first 10 games. We don't bat an eye. We put together an incredible offense, an offense that sees us climb to 7-4. and four. We are in first place in the division in week 12 of the season. Now, this is a guy coming from the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm like, yes, I'm going to be a part of the Cleveland Browns turnaround. This is what I came here for, to do something special. I'm no longer just the number three receiver in Cincinnati. I'm the man here. I'm on pace for 1,100 yards. We got Brian Hoyer, a Cleveland native. Let me tell you what Cleveland native means to Brian Hoyer in Cleveland. 
He's been a Browns fan his entire life. Him wanting the Browns to win wasn't just collecting a paycheck. Like 95% of the guys in the locker room, right? They want to win for selfish reasons. He wanted to win because he grew up with Brown jerseys. He grew up rooting for the Bernie Kozars of the world, the Tim Couches. He was alive when the team left. It was something special to him. It meant something. I get a call from the head coach. This is, I think, week 13. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, man, I think we're going to start Johnny Menzel. I laugh. Not against Johnny. I love Johnny. Johnny's one of my good friends. Good teammate. Was going through a lot at the time. I understood he wasn't ready to start. Johnny knew he wasn't ready to start. Everybody who was in that locker room, Joe included, everybody knew that Johnny was not ready to play. I thought the guy was joking. Silence on the phone. Yeah, we just want to make sure that we're doing the, you know, putting ourselves in the best position down the stretch. I'm like, hey, we're seven and four. Good teams don't change quarterbacks at seven and four and in first place in the division, coach. Right? Doesn't matter. What happened was Brian Hoyer was a guy that they felt wasn't a part of the future. They had a first round quarterback. If Brian Hoyer takes the team to the playoffs, let's call it what it is. If he takes that team to the playoffs, he has to get a contract from the Cleveland Browns, right? Like if he does that in that moment, he's looking over his shoulder. He realizes Johnny Manziel is behind him. It starts to mess with his head a little bit. He doesn't play his best games. We end up losing the rest of the games, the rest of the season, right? And it, a lot of guys in the locker room. I was a new guy. I remember Dante Whitner was a new guy. Carlos Dansby had come over there from the Cardinals, I believe. And I remember being in the locker room and hearing like overhearing a conversation amongst those guys. And they were like, the, the, the takeaway was everybody was kind of like literally distraught at, at the decision at the coaching level was to put Johnny in at the time. And not again, it's not against Johnny. It was that we had something that we built to that moment that we were all ready to ride out with, right? If we lost our next six games under those same situation, we were okay with that because that's how we got to that point. And even some of those losses, like we battled Pittsburgh in week one to like the final play of the game. And we came back from 28 points in that game. Yeah, we right? were down, what, like 28 to three at halftime? Yeah. And we came roaring back and we had a chance to win I mean, or at least tie it on the last drive of the game. So we had a vibe. And, and the rest of the season, that was broken up. And I don't, I don't want to make it seem like it was all on Johnny's back. It wasn't. It was actually, I don't blame Johnny at all. And everyone would always say like, man, why aren't you harder on Johnny for, for what, what he did that season? And like, yo, that wasn't Johnny's fault. Everybody in the locker room knew Johnny wasn't ready to play, Johnny included. And that wasn't – he didn't force himself into playing, right? And there were some other things that happened as well that just – it ruined the continuity of our offense. And obviously Alex Mack got hurt that year. That hurt. Jordan Cameron went down uh, in that season too. But that was like one of my biggest regrets, not just as a Cleveland Brown, in my career because that was like a real opportunity. We had something special that we, we squandered away. And – because of that, we run a podcast now. Now instead of playing <laughs> in the NFL, a podcast. So that's how you save up your runs and you get your money's worth, John. In case you were wondering, all right. That was the longest second and two run in the history of podcasting. <laughs> what Joe, I think Joe, you get a nine yarder. You get yeah. a free run as that was a, a Nick Chubb, for as an honorary, uh, you know, Cleveland Brown um, legend. Free run. Honorary 20- Cleveland Brown legend? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. I just made that up. 2014 season. Take us back. Anything to follow up on from what Hawk said there? Let's just hope that the Browns finish this season a lot better than we <laughs> did in 2014. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, uh, man. No, I think they finally are on the right track, which is really exciting because defense continues to ball out. Offense starting to hit their rhythm. And you got to think that pretty soon Odell is going to hit his stride. Like, he's been close. He's had some good games, but they're right there now because that offense is really clicking, and it's just a matter of time. I think maybe next week we see Odell all of a sudden go off and have one of his 180, 200-yard games. <laughs> all right, what we got next? Anything? That's it, man. That was the last one. Nothing else to run. So I have, could I save one of my runs for the next episode? Because I only did two. Yeah, but that second one was so long. I think that yeah, counts for – Yeah, it's fine. You might have used up all of next week's episode. Imagine if Nick Chubb said, I'm not running the ball anymore this game because that, that last one was 88 yards. It was so long. Come on, man. That was the 88-yard run. I get the, the opportunity right to, to, to do it again next next episode. So I get four next episode. I'm saving up. <laughs> and I should get an extra one for actually using our real catchphrase that we actually did and Joe didn't. <laughs> oh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. <laughs> All right, Joe, Monday Night Football tonight, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, Bengals versus Steelers. Give me your prediction right now with a score. Uh, Bengals win. I think it's going to be 24-17. The Bengals are not that bad of a team. Yes, they're 0-3 right now, but I'm one of the few people, actually you are too, that actually likes Andy Dalton. He's never going to be a top 10 quarterback, mm-hmm. but I think he always gives you a pretty good chance. He throws a good football. He's very smart. He's got some good weapons. They're still kind of figuring out who they want to be, but they're not that bad. But then when I see the Steelers on the other side, they are that bad. Like <laughs> Mason Rudolph, outside of the one long touchdown he had to J.J. Smith's Schuster, had under 100 Close yards enough. passing on the entire game uh, under 100 yards think about that wow that is pathetic uh <laughs> <laughs> james connor sugarcoated for him joe all Jeez. of a sudden playing like he has no quarterback to bail him out because everybody want to talk about oh we don't need Lev bell like nobody's uh nobody cares because we've got this young guy james connor he's great well all of a sudden you take away his hall of fame quarterback and well pretty soon the defense is kind kind of uh Keying on uh, pin their ears back and keying yep. on their running back. And so James Conner has under 100 yards rushing on the, the season so far in the first three weeks. And he's fumbling too, which is not exactly a great quality for your running back to have. He fumbled the game away last week against the 49ers. The 49ers picked it up and were able to get the uh, game-winning field goal after that. I think it was a field goal. Um, and so there's a lot of problems right now in Pittsburgh, and they don't have a lot of answers because if you could at least say, well, you know, our defense is, is playing really well, but even their defense is not playing all that well. So uh, for the most part, they are in shambles, and they are going to lose on Monday Night Football to the Bengals. Mm. If they lose to the Bengals on Monday Night Football, they will fall to 0-4, and four, and the next four games, five, six games they have are against the Ravens, Chargers, Dolphins, which they can get a W, hmm. Colts, Rams, and Browns. Feels like one in five. Feels like a one in five, which would make them one in nine. Do you think at one in nine, Steelers fans would then regret not having Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? No, because they know that this one in nine is the cause of losing Ben Roethlisberger. Because Ben is really the glue out there. He's the reason that you win or lose. The quarterback position is why you win or lose in the NFL. But they were Those losing other guys, before Ben they got can hurt. can help too. you. So you think with they, they Ben, lost one game, Ben got hurt in week two. You think they with, lost one game without him? So you think their record would be different with Ben Roethlisberger right now? Yeah, right now they would probably be two and two after this week with Big Ben. He would have beat the Niners. There's no doubt in my mind. 
So they would be okay. at least yeah. one and two. They may have won week two if Ben was in the game. And so they may have been two and one coming into tonight. Will they regret trading their first rounder for Micah Fitzpatrick? Do you even know they who already Micah do. Fitzpatrick they, they is? They have to. Absolutely, he was the Dolphins' corner. He was a rookie from Alabama, first rounder. Yeah, he's a, he's on, a man, good player. But did you see good him player. get thrown by Kyle Yuschik? I did not. But as soon as they tra- they traded for him, I'm like, do they really think they're making like a big Super Bowl run here in the next couple of years? Because all I see is Ben Roethlisberger trying to get paid to rehab for a couple more years because he's clearly <laughs> not going to be healthy. And everything all of a sudden he says is about how he wants to be a great teammate and he wants to be around the building and do Red everything flag. he can to get back, which absolutely triggers me to think that <laughs> he is totally done, but he wants to collect his $30 million a year so he can rehab. Yeah, uh, I did. So, so Ben's gone. So they obviously – missed on Mason Rudolph because he's not going to be the answer. So they've got a few years to figure out the quarterback position. All the while, Minka Fitzpatrick is about to go to free agency and get the heck up out of there. Uh, So that was a total waste of the first round pick. All right. You hate to see it and you got to get your money's worth. That does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. We appreciate you joining us. Make sure you hit us up on social media at Tomahawk Show on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. Look at my script and it says Tomahawk Shoe. Um, I don't know if that's a a teaser for merch or what. Um, But regardless, leave us a voicemail, 440-628-1376. And if you're listening, make sure you check us out on YouTube. We do a video show every Sunday so you can actually see our beautiful faces and actually add some some real-life joy to your life. Um, Yeah, and here on Uninterrupted Network, where this is the number one athlete podcast network, we have... uh, CC's a Bathy's podcast here. We got Road Tripping with RJ and Channing and uh, Allie. We got what other podcasts we have on this network? Needing Dough featuring Andrew Needing Hawkins. Needing Dough featuring oh, Andrew Hawkins. Oh, you knew about 17 that weeks. 17 weeks, which is an exclusive because we have Cole Beasley, Jalen Ramsey, yep. and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Actually, this is the only place they do interviews. So you get all the exclusive, all the football <laughs> from them. Jalen Ramsey has been dropping all the news on the Uninterrupted Network on 17 weeks. So mm-hmm. make sure you check those out. Subscribe to us as well. And I think that does it. Joe, do you have final thoughts? My final thoughts for this week is shout out to the old guy. It is now cool again to be mm. old. You and I, we're pretty old. We're not playing in the NFL anymore. Yo. We're still cool. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore right now is the fourth player in NFL history. To no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I time this out real quick? He can't do a final thought on a segment he passed on. Is that a legal? That's why I passed. I That's passed illegal. So I talk about it in my final That's a loophole. After no, further no, no, review, no. the ruling on the field you, stands. Oh, Go ahead, Joe. That is thank bull. you. Fuck. Know your fucking role. You bring us in. I have the final thoughts. I've All been right. taking this final thoughts thing seriously. I'm always trying to think of something interesting now. And now you're trying to ruin it. The reason I passed on it is because I was going to talk about it your final, final thoughts. thoughts. All right. All right. All right. Thank sustained. You. <laughs> Frank Gore is the fourth player in NFL history to reach 15,000 rushing yards. The other three, Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore is over 36 years old for a running back in today's NFL. That is unfreaking believable, especially when you think back to Miami days when he tore three ACLs and he was an undrafted free agent out of college. That is not a true he, fact. Uh, that's the ones that I made up. 
and okay. so we're going to go with it. <laughs> it's a third round pick, but, but continue. <laughs> it's just totally amazing to think of a guy, though, that they thought was too beat up coming into the NFL to be able to play like 14 years. I don't mm. know how many years he actually played, but probably about 14 years. Yeah, that's all right. And to still be rushing the football the way he is right now, that's amazing. Larry Fitzgerald just passed Tony Gonzalez for the second all-time on career receptions in the NFL. Uh, only Jerry Rice has had – he's not going to pass Jerry Rice, but – He's still playing after everyone kind of thought he was going to retire for a cu- the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Still playing really well. And really, the way he's been playing, who knows how he's feeling, but he might play another year. I mean, who knows how much fun he's having with Kyler. He might play another couple of years. But either way, this seems to be the week of the old guy. So shout out to you and me yes. and all the old guys out there and Frank Gore and Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Frank Gore. All of a sudden, I think he really should start getting some serious conversation around his name about being a surefire Hall of Famer. And what? I think the Hall of Fame committee—that's not a—that's not a, a a foregone conclusion right now. He's not—he's not a guaranteed Hall of Famer. I don't think he's guaranteed. Here, I'm going to tell you why. So okay. right now, the hall, the Hall of Fame seems to favor guys that have meteoric careers, like when you think back to. Um, Terrell Davis from the Broncos, he just recently got in. He had like six good years, but they were great years. He was the best in the game at yep. th- th- those times. Um, but they haven't recognized being good for a long time. And so I think guys like Frank Gore, who's been good for a long time, and Clay Matthews Jr., right? Cleveland Browns, Clay Matthews Jr., linebacker, 19 seasons in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's been a big push recently to get him into the Hall of Fame because he was good, but he was never the best at his position in the NFL. But to play 19 years and to be really good for all those years, I think the Hall of Fame voters should definitely start considering that as just as amazing of a feat as the guy like the Terrell Davis that plays six years and is the best player in the game for those six years. Man, that is, that's news to me. Do you know what number Frank Gore is on the all-time rushing list for yards? He's four. Yeah, he is four. Do you know who he's that's about to pass said. this season? He's about to pass Barry Sanders. He only needs like 250 yards to pass Barry Sanders, do which is know? amazing. But Barry Sanders only did it in, what, 10 years? Do you know how many of the top 16 rushers in history are not in the Hall of Fame? Well, that's a good question. Probably not many. Three. Because running. Can you name? No, I wouldn't. Can you name two of the top three of the 16 rushers who aren't in the Hall of Fame? So, running back (laughs) used to be like quarterback is right now. You think about all the quarterbacks that are in today's game that are going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? It's a very good question. I don't know. (laughs) No, think about this. So, Current quarterbacks playing in the NFL that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, probably Man. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, maybe. I don't know about Phillip. Um, Eli. Ben yeah, I don't know about Eli. Eli will probably make it. I don't know if he will. Two, It'll be a wow. Two, two Super Bowl MVPs. I know, but um, in what year was Eli a top five quarterback? How many he of wasn't, the, but of the he'll 16 probably years? get in, and, and that's my point. In the years he that, won right? the Super Bowl... How many of those years during the regular season did you say, yo, Eli's been lights out? You can't spell this elite without Daniel Jones. <laughs> Just saying. This isn't supposed to be a conversation about Eli. <laughs> this, is the longest, this is the longest fight we've ever had. Trying to prove a point here. The point is that right now is because the game is so focused on quarterback play that 
the Hall of Fame voters are going to elevate the quarterback position and put in a lot more quarterbacks in our generation into the Hall of Fame. And if you think back 20 to 80 years, really, when the NFL started, it was so much more of a running back dominated league, right? You have the great running back, you're going to have the great team. You think back to Barry Sanders, even Mm -hmm. like he basically single handedly carried that team every single year out there. Emmett Smith, yeah, they had other great players, but the team revolved around the running back because it was such a running-dominated league. And that's pretty much gone. And so I think a lot of these running backs in today's game probably aren't going to get into the NFL, into the NFL Hall of Fame. And so uh, guys like a Frank Gore is sort of on the border right now, even though he has had such a great career for so long um, because of the greatness of the quarterbacks of this generation. Trivia Hawk, what was the answer to that question? Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, Edrin James. Are not in the Hall of Fame. Not in. Three of the, the only three in the top 16. The only three in the top 16. Two of them are still playing. Is Adrian Peterson a Hall of Famer? Yes. So you say Adrian Peterson, without a doubt, is a Hall of Famer, and you think Frank Gore is borderline. So I, I was not prepared to have this conversation right now, but well, I believe that Mr. Adrian Final Peterson, Thought, pass, run. <laughs> Final Thought was not supposed to be a rebuttal for right. Mr. Hawkins. This yep. is so right. down. Adrian Peterson, though, was <laughs> Offensive Player of the Year in the NFL, right? Yep. NFL MVP. I don't think, I think he was NFL MVP. MVP. The year he had like 2,000 whatever was rushing he? yards. Yes. And he was yeah, he was close to MVP. setting the record. That's true. So for, for several years, he was considered – an enormous weapon, and he was the best player in the NFL as a running back. And teams had a game plan to try to stop him. But you can never say that about Frank Gore. He was always very, very good, but he was never the best running back in the league. He was never the all-pro, first-team all-pro running back. He was never an NFL MVP candidate. He was just always really, really good, but he's been extremely durable, and he's had – incredible longevity and i think that should definitely factor heavily into the hall of fame voting joe if you had to bet your truck would frank does frank Gore make the hall of fame why do you assume, why do you assume he drives the truck <laughs> mr unconscious bias we've talked about it because he I, shot I'm a wrestling drummer in front of his truck in august remember <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> you think he does make it joe i think he does he's uh i just looking up his stats now five pro bowls he's made one all pro as a second team but he's been really good and really durable, and he's played a really long time. And I think the number one thing working for him is being in that top four. Probably he's going to end up in the top three all-time most rushing yards in NFL history. And that means a lot to those Hall of Fame voters who are NFL historians. Tony Canadeo. Do you know who that is? Tony Canadeo, yeah. I've heard, I've heard of him. I running, couldn't tell you his back, stats. Hall of Famer, 1941 to 1952, 11 seasons. He rushed for 4,197 career yards. 10 spots behind Ezekiel Elliott career yards about 30 spots behind Cam Newton about 40 spots behind Le'Veon Bell about 52 spots behind Lamar Miller and about 70 spots behind Mark Ingram if they don't let Frank Gore in can I be the first to motion that we let we take Tony Canadeo out sorry to the Canadeo family I know they're big listeners to the Tomahawk no disrespect <laughs> to the late, great Tony Canadeo. All right, that does it for the Tomahawk Show. Joe, take us out. Joe Hawk, yourself. You get Backstreet Boys when we lose. You get Backstreet Boys when we win. All you Browns fans, can't you see? Can't you see how good our team is? It's reality. 
we thought we were down, but Nick Chubb made it right. And that makes us larger than life. Go hawk yourself. Just wanted to give a shout out to my seven-year-old son, Apollo. Uh, just got a Joe Thomas jersey last week. He loves the show. Always has me listen to it in the car when you get in. And he's a diehard Browns fan already. Just, what's up, Apollo? Thank you, Mr. Hawkins and Mr. Thomas, for requesting that Thomas Flock send you voicemail interviews to be on the show. This is Ryan from Dayton, Ohio. I sent a resume last year, as you may remember, and I humbly believe you were requesting me specifically. So let's get my voicemail interview started. Uh, what is my greatest weakness? Well, it's also my greatest strength. You see, I'm a Browns fan, and I care too much about the Browns. Unapologetically, I don't listen to Cal Turd, and I believe Baker was right that Rex Ryan doesn't have a job for a reason. Also, if you need somebody who can read your tweets with absolutely incredible enthusiasm, please don't hesitate to reach out. I love what you guys are doing. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>